Um, I want to talk today about being a worshipping people. Um, at the end of one year, and just as we come into the next, I want us to bridge these, these two years with this understanding that we are called to be a worshipping people, that there's something in us that is driven to worship God, um, that, is, that is finding satisfaction and fulfillment in being a worshipper of the Lord, and maybe just talk a little bit into that today. So we're going to read from Psalm 33. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing. It's uh, not too long. 184 verses, but I'll keep us going. <clears throat> Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a heart. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. That's a great start, isn't it? Woohoo! For the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all. Who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the sides of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord even as we put our hope in you. Amen. What an amazing passage. I love that, don't you? Shout joyfully to the Lord, all you righteous. Woohoo! You know, sometimes uh, we're all kind of like, it doesn't say murmur quietly. Murmur miserably to the Lord, you righteous. You know, I love it that, you know, there is a time for reflection and intimacy, but there's also a time for praise and magnifying. There's a praise for being uh, liberated, a moment for being free to sing to the Lord and to shout His praises. And as we draw another year, the end of another year, and we come to that, and we've got all the challenges of the coming year and all the things of the last year, I think it's good for us to remind ourselves that we are a worshipping people. That we are people who worship the Lord. And I think it's important that, you know, one of the things we'll do in heaven is worship. One of the things that we'll be doing in heaven is worship. You know, there'll be lots of other things we don't do, but one of the things we will do is worship the Lord. It's part of our eternal frame of reference that we will bow down and give glory to Him for who He is. And worship is about recognizing that God is bigger than us. It's about honoring Him for who He is. It's about honoring Him uh, as worthy of our acknowledgement and of our adoration. I love the fact that David here calls worshippers the upright, the righteous. That gives us a clue, friends, that worship is so much more than singing. See, 
if you tell someone you love them and then act as if you don't love them, it doesn't mean much, does it? Nobody's impressed. So he says, listen, worshipers, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. Those who are saved, those who are glorified, those who have been changed by God, those who have been set apart. He's not saying we have to be perfect, otherwise none of us could sing much today. Just look at your neighbor and know that's true. But what he's saying is, come on, those who've been changed, those who have hope in Christ, those who, who, who are living uprightly, following him, sing joyfully to the Lord, for he is someone greater than you. Get your hope in the right place. And I want you to fix your hearts on that today. I want you to understand that again. We worship through how we live as followers of Christ. You know, some people would say that worship is an outdated thing. It's, a, it's an old-fashioned concept that, that primitive man needed to invent. And yet, worship is everywhere in our world. People are worshiping all kinds of things, all kinds of situations. People are worshiping money. People are worshiping pleasure. People are worshiping sports stars. People are wor- worshiping celebrities. People have this desire to elevate something beyond themselves so they feel better about something in life. And that worship, for Bible reveals, is something that we give to God because he is so much more worthy than us. So I want you to expand your mind today. I want you to get past the songs today. I remember uh, um, a pastor in Argentina in the revivals in the, probably the 80s. He banned his church from saying trite little phrases. He banned them from saying praise the Lord and hallelujah. He said, and, and, and he spent a month without singing at all. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Because he was trying to get them to bring a sacrifice of praise. He was trying to get them to think about what they could say to God that was deeper than just the phrase, oh, thank, thank the Lord. It's interesting, isn't it? It'd be a good exercise for all of us, wouldn't it, when we get home? Instead of just, oh, praise the Lord, say, well, Lord, I want to thank you for this because actually this has changed my life. To think about it, to make it something, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Something that comes from the heart, something that overflows. Because that's what worship is about. Worship is built into the hearts of men. And David points us to be worshippers of God, to let that worship come out in song and in action and in, in praise to God. And so I want you to just think, you know, we, we, I just want you to think about it. How, how is my worship today? I don't mean how's my singing, because that'll always be good or bad, won't it? I mean, trust me, I've listened to some of you. But you see, it's not the noise, it's the heart. It's not the sound as much as the offering that is worship. And that's, thank the Lord, isn't it? That's good for some of us, isn't it? I mean, it's all right for people with great voices, but for us who just like to make a noise, that's good too. Because God loves it when there's a heart of praise that honors him and worships him. I want you to just think about it. There's something powerful about singing praise to God, something transformational, something that would just change our lives. You know, I, and I do think we've got to be worshippers you know, in our lives. Some of the greatest obstacles you can face, you can overcome through worship. Some of the biggest wounds in your life, you will come through through worship. Some of the biggest things that imprison your thinking, you will break out of through worship. So, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. And so I declare, I just want you to think about it. As we, we come uh, from an end of a year, 
Let's be worshipping people. As we come into a new year, let's be worshipping people. Let, let, let the name of Jesus be on our lips. And, and the psalmist here goes on to give us some reasons to worship the Lord. You ready? We worship because of his character. I want to enlarge your head today. We worship because of the, the character of God. Listen, Psalm 33, 4 and 5. For the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Wow. Tell you, sometimes you have to declare that when you look at the world, don't you? Oh, I'll tell you, we all have this filter of negativity in our world, don't we? Oh, we're all doomed. Look at it, look at it, look at them, look at them. Friends, what we've got to declare is the world is full of his unfailing love. My life is surrounded by his unfailing love. What a great point, Dave. Well done. My future is built on his unfailing love. And so we need to declare it. Our worship is not because of where we are. You see, there's too much worship that just flows out of us and where we are in life. If we're in a good place, we'll be worshipful. If we're not in a good place, we'll be miserable. Friends, worship is not about us. Worship is about him. And so therefore, our worship of him is not about where we are in life. Our worship is about, hey, his character never changes. See, if you can really get hold of the fact that God is righteous and true, then it doesn't matter whether you're going through hell or whether you're skipping over the mountain. It doesn't matter because his character is still righteous and true. And so therefore, your praise of him doesn't depend on the, wa- the fact that you feel great. It depends on the fact that you know who he is. And when you say, actually, you know what? I believe God loves me. In spite of all this, I still am secure in his love for me. See, that's where Job was. You read the book of Job. Every affliction under man hit Job. Death, disease, debt, distress. Every one of them. And he said, how can I turn my back on my Redeemer? Because he knew who God is. Friends, you know, when your worship begins to be weak, it's because you've forgotten who he is. It's because the circumstances of your life have tried to tell you that the character of God has changed because your circumstances have changed. And you've got to pull it back and say, you know what? The word of the Lord is righteous and true. And he is faithful in all he does. Some of you need to hear that this morning. He is faithful in your life. Even though your life looks out of control. Even though you think he's forgotten. Even though you feel overlooked. Even, you, even though you think you've made the mistake that has removed you from his blessing. He is faithful in all he does. His character is trustworthy. And so we worship him because he's not like us. Because how many of us can say we're always trustworthy? We're always faithful. We're always righteous. We're always true. They are not words you can apply to us, even when we're trying our best. But they're always words you can apply to God. His character is different to us. He is holy other. He is not like us. God is not a super version of a human. He is totally different. See, we need to remember that today. We're not worshipping someone who just is a bit better than us. We're worshipping God of the universe. We're worshipping everything and everyone. He is more than we can imagine. And this little snapshot into the character of God just calls us to be worshippers. And in Scripture, when you have a moment when God reveals himself, you often see, I saw the Lord, and then the next word is, I fell down. Why? Because they understand when God reveals himself, it's beyond us. That's why we need a revelation of God for ourselves. 
Because when God reveals himself to you, it changes you. If you're just always relying on the words of other people, it's not enough. I mean, it can help, but God has something more to reveal to you. And when you understand who he is, all of a sudden it starts to echo in your spirit. It starts to remind you of who he is. And you start to say, God, I'm going to sing joyfully to you because I'm righteous because of who you are and what you've done for me. And praise begins to rise up inside you to the living God. I love this. Hebrews 12, 24. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands of, upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Wow. That's who we're worshiping this morning. Man, we didn't sing loud enough, did we? Man, we forgot for a moment. We just thought, oh, we're in church on a Sunday. Christmas has come. New Year's coming. We're here. No, friends, we're here to worship the living God. We've come to the mountain of God. We've come to sing and declare the praises of God who's greater than everything. The God who is always faithful, even though we let him down so much. Anybody let him down this week? Anybody not been perfect this week? He's still faithful. That's who he is. And so we worship him because of his character. We worship him because we believe that God is good. That God is love. So we lift our voices and we live uprightly. That's our act of worship to him. We worship because of his character. We worship acknowledging his power in our lives. Psalm 33 verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. Don't you love that? He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Wow. See, we worship God because he's all powerful. And the psalmist here, you know, and we're going to come into all kinds of problems, aren't we? Because we believe that God is the creator of the world. We believe that Jesus is all-powerful. We believe that he sustains this world by the breath of his mouth. That's what the Bible says. That just his word brings life to this world. That's the God we serve. That's the God who the psalmist is declaring. He says he's so powerful that he puts the water in jars where we can't see it and the deep in storehouses where he just keeps it away and he keeps it from flooding the world. Come on. I know there's climate change. I know that science tells us we're all going to flood soon. Friends, I, and it's true. You know, I can't argue with the science, but I tell you now, friends, it's God who has the last word. He's sovereign. That's what we believe, friends. If we don't believe that, let's quit today. If we believe that God is overwhelmed by climate change, we need to quit today. Don't we? I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just trying to say either God is in charge and is all-powerful and can do whatever he likes or else we're in trouble. And so we have to understand he's all-powerful. We worship him because he's not like us. He has the power to create. And the psalmist calls us to sing praise because of what God has done. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood for him. What, what a revelation David had of God. <laughs> he didn't have all the science we have. He didn't have all the understanding we have. But he understood that when God spoke, things changed. That's the power that we worship today.
That's the one who we gather around. That's the one who we live uprightly for. That's why our worship is so far beyond what we sing. Our singing is the first offering of the rest of our lives. I'm worshiping because of his power. He is worthy of praise. Here's Job. To God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are his. What he tears down cannot be rebuilt. Those he imprisons cannot be released. Wow. Heavy, isn't it? See, Job understands that God's sovereignty and power are worthy of the worship of our hearts. That we worship not just because of what God's done for us, but because of who God is. Listen, if God never did one more thing for us, we would still have to be worshippers. If God had never sent his son Jesus to die for us, we would still have to worship him. Hello. Because our salvation is not the thing that makes us worship. It's he who, when he reveals himself to us, calls us to worship. And so we worship him because of we're acknowledging his power and his character in our lives. Thirdly, we worship recognizing his purpose. Verse 10, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart throughout all generations. Wow. We worship God because he is fulfilling his plan in the world. Amen, Dave. You might think everything is out of control. Whether you're a Brexiteer or a Remainer, God's still got a plan. How many of you know God can work out his plan whether we leave or whether we stay? How many of you know that God can work out his plan whether countries are at war or at peace? God has a plan that he is fulfilling. And when we have that faith in his plan and in his purpose, friends, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than our understanding. It's bigger than our, uh, our, our comprehension of where we are in God. See, so often we say, well, I don't understand what's going on in my life. Therefore, I'm going to doubt you. No, friends, we have to surrender to the complexity that God is in control. Hello. You're all a bit jet lagged after Christmas, aren't you? See, we worship because God is in control, because God has a plan that he is filling out. Remember, uh, in the book of Acts, they spoke to uh, the crowd. Peter said to the crowd um, that your leaders and rulers killed him and put him to death on a cross, but they only did what God had already decided should happen. Wow. They were choosing their own free will, but God had already planned his purpose. That blows your head off, doesn't it? How can we have free will and God still decides? How can we have free will? I don't know. But that's what the Bible tells me. They acted in accordance with their conviction, but God had already determined that this should happen. I want you to know, friends, God still has a plan, and no one can change it. No one can change it. In fact, he says, he thwarts the purposes of the people. Everybody tries to do their best, but God's way comes out. Hallelujah. Maybe you know God's got a plan for your life, that even you can't screw up. Now, I'm not saying you can't walk away from it. Of course you can do that. But friends, it's not dependent upon how great you are. It's dependent about how much you'll follow him and how you'll worship him. 
And if you'll trust him when all hell's breaking loose, if you'll trust him when you can't see the outcome of his plan, if you'll say then, even then, even in this situation, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I tell you what I do know. I know that, Lord, you have a purpose and it stands firm forever. And so in my life, God, I believe I'm part of your forever plan and I'm going to take hold of it. That's a great place to be, isn't it? You need to remind yourself of that this year sometime, don't you? Remember that. Not this year, because we've only got two more days next year. Remind yourself. Say, God, I, I don't know what's going on. God, I'm in need of something. I'm in need of an answer to prayer. And I'm worried. But God, I come back to that psalm. Psalm 33, verse 10. It says, your plans stand firm forever. So Lord, I'm going to trust your plans for my life. You're going to thwart evil. You're going to thwart the difficulties of the situations that go on. The Bible tells us that we live in a world where not a sparrow falls from the sky that he doesn't know about. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? That's God. I mean, I can be oblivious of everything. God knows when a sparrow falls from the sky. He can see when just the slightest thing happens because it's his world and he created it. He watches over it. He loves it. And so he looks upon it and he understands. We need to recognize his purpose in our lives. God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, says this, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning and from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Friends, God does what he pleases. See, how many of us feel that we have the right to tell God to change his plans? God says, no, I'll do what I please. How many people today say, well, God, how, that's not fair. How can God do that? You know what God says? I'll do what I please. You know, when your kid says to you, that's not fair, you'll say, no, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> not my sons, obviously, they're grown up. Say, no, I, I, I will do what I've decided. Friends, we, we speak to God, petulant children sometimes, saying, I don't want this to happen. God says, I'll do as I please. Because actually, God is God, and he's still working out his plans. See, when we say, all things work together for good for those who love him, who accord according to his purpose. So what the Bible says is that actually, it's better to live in the purpose of God and go through difficulty than it is to live outside of the purpose of God and be blessed. Think on that one. Now, wonderfully for us, the blessing often coincides with God's purpose. But actually what we need to say and understand is that actually, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God's still working out his purpose in my life. So I'm still going to be a worshiper even in the valley. Wow. That's hard, isn't it? But you see, if, if, if we're in the valley and it's only our worship stops because we're in the valley, it's because our worship is based on our, our environment, not upon God. See, it's so true for us. Go say, hey, I'm not worshiping today because I've got a, 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 a nice experience of life. I'm worshiping today because I've understood that God is sovereign and he's fulfilling his purpose in my life. We worship 
recognizing his purpose. We worship understanding his love for us. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. A few verses later, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love. Worship flows out of hearts that know we are loved by God. That know we are loved by God. See, the enemy of your soul will do everything he can to undermine that knowledge that you are loved by God. Because if he can make you doubt God's love, he can make you doubt the circumstances that you're in. He can make you doubt the future that God has for you. Because as soon as you feel doubt about the love of God, you, you stop being a worshiper. And so we have to worship out of that understanding that God's love is upon us. Blessed is the nation. I love that. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. That's us. We're blessed today. (laughs) Okay, you look like this. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. Just, just tell your faces, for my sake, it's good news, okay? <laughs> Look, I know it's hard, I know it's tough, I know there's a challenge to it. I understand that. But we worship because we know we're loved. Friends, God could make us worship if he wanted to. He can make us bow down. But he chooses to call us to be worshippers because we know that we are his children and that he loves us. We're blessed. Why do we sing so much? Because it's expressing a heart of worship. Yes, it's got to come out of a life of worship, but it's expressing the joy of the Lord. It's expressing praise to God. It's giving him an opportunity to hear the fruit of lips, the the heart of someone who has been changed. I want to sing praises to the Lord who understand his love. When God revealed himself to Moses, he revealed himself as a God of love. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, uh, anger sorry, abounding in love and faithfulness. Wow, what a revelation. He demonstrated his love to us by sending his son to die. Wow. We worship because we begin to understand. What, what changed us from being people who didn't know God, who didn't believe in his word, who didn't believe in his son, to the time when we began to become worshippers, to the time when we first lifted those hesitant hands thinking, am I just becoming a weirdo? What changed in us was that we began to understand that God loved us. Begin to understand that this worshiping of God, this singing of our hearts, this lifting of our hands was, was a response to being loved by God, to feeling loved by Him, to understanding that His love was far deeper than ours. I remember standing by the grave side of someone in this church as a father spoke about his son, and he said these words, and I'll forget them. He said, I love my son. He said, but the Heavenly Father loved him so much more than I ever could. I thought, wow. I thought, wow, that is true. What depth of love. 
the Father has upon us that he should lavish upon us his love into us. That's why we worship today, because of who he is and what he's done. And then finally, we worship in hope, because he's coming again. It says there, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Worship is the response of a faithful people of God who are waiting for the return of our Savior. That's the privilege of the church. That's why we gather and sing. That's sometimes why we lift our hands. That's sometimes why we dance. That's sometimes why we shout. That's sometimes why we laugh. That's sometimes why we cry. It's a response of worship. We're saying, God, the early church used to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. It's an expression of faith and hope. He is coming again. We worship because our faith is not just in the death of Jesus, but it's in the life of Jesus and the promise of his return. That's what makes us the people of God. It's not just because we're religious. Man alive. I'm the most unreligious person you can find, trust me. When I find a religious bone in my body, I break it and throw it out. I don't want to be religious. But I want to wait for the coming of our Lord. I want to live for his return. I want to fill my heart with hope because of who he is. I get up in the morning and I go about my daily task. Why? Because I'm hoping in him. Because he is my light and my salvation. And he has become my song. I remember being on holiday once. We were in a rental cottage and we shared the house with somebody next, you know, a little old lady who owned the property. And after the week, she said to my wife, your husband sings a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> I thought, yes, I do. So I started singing more. Just to, just to be a blessing. Because why? Because we wait in hope. We're singers of praise to God. It comes out of a life that's been transformed by him. It comes out of a life that's waiting for him. And friends, the fact that we wait means that sometimes we have to persevere. Sometimes your praise will be praise that is painful because you're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. That's okay. That's part of the life of faith. When do we begin to think that wouldn't happen? Because Jesus told us to wait and to hope and to persevere. It was in his teaching the whole time. When do we think that if we had to sing in pain, that was disqualifying us from the kingdom? No, friends, that's what the kingdom's all about. Bring a sacrifice of praise. I'm singing today because I hope that Jesus is coming again. And nobody else can understand it, friends. People who haven't been changed by Jesus Christ think we're nuts. And let's face it, I've met some of you, and I think they could be right. (laughs) But that doesn't matter. Because we're all weird a little bit, aren't we? What matters is that we're waiting in faith and in hope. And that in the middle of all that, we worship. Because he is coming again. That's the hope of the church. And it might be in our time. It might not be. I grew up, you know, when I was born in 65 and 70, as an early Pentecostal church. No one expected us still to be going. The Pentecostal church of the 70s, we thought Jesus would have come back loads. In fact, we had an old fellow in our church who used to whistle. And they would say, the Lord's coming back, 1989. <laughs> and of course, we were, young, we were young kids. We could say, can you just tie down the date? When it got to 1990, we all looked at him. <laughs> Bible says don't play those games, but what the Bible does say is, let's wait in hope. 
Let's worship as people who are patiently waiting his coming. Let's let that worship set us aside. Why do we gather every week to worship? Because he's coming, friends. It might be in our lifetime. It might be in the generation after us. 2,000 years of history have come and gone, and still the people of God are worshiping. That's the hope that we have. That's what inspires us. That's what gives us courage to go forward because we're waiting in hope for him. And so when you drag yourself into church sometimes or when you get up in the morning and you put on the latest Hillsongs album and you turn it off because it's too noisy and find some old 1970s one. That's, that's Eve. Doesn't matter what the song is, friends. What matters is the heart is worshipping. Doesn't matter whether it's loud or quiet. What matters is there's hope in you that Jesus is coming again because that's what keeps you as a worshipper. See, when you lose the hope of his return, you lose the wonder of worship. We don't see everything as we want it to be, but we worship and hope for his return. For us who hope in the Lord, it's a natural response of a changed life. I'm a worshiper of Jesus. I'm a follower of him. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous we're going to worship. Let our lives bring worship to God in the coming days. Worship because of who he is. His character sets him apart. Worship because of what he has done. His power reveals him as God and the creator of all the world. Worship because he is working out his plan and purpose in your life and in this nation's life and in every nation of the world. So worship him because he is sovereign. Worship him because of his love. We are his people, and he cares for us. Worship him because of his coming. We wait in hope for the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to come and take communion. I want you to just stand with me.